Once again, good morning. Please turn with me in your Bibles this morning to the book of Luke chapter 11 as we come to God's Word, continuing our New Year's sermon series, Seeking the Kingdom of God First. Stand on your feet in honor for the reading of God's word as we read from Luke chapter 11 from verse 1 to 13. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he finished... One of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is, indebt- who is indebted to us. Lead us not into temptation. And they say to them, which of you has a friend who go on, who go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey. And I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within. Do not bother me. The door is now shut. And my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you. Though he will not get up and give him anything. Because he is. His friend. Yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. So what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead... Of a fish, give him a serpent. Or if he asks for an egg, we give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? May God bless the reading. Of his word, you may have your seats. This morning, we will begin with verse number 13 by asking God of the Holy Spirit that he will lead us, he will guide us into all truth. Our sermon title this morning is with Jesus in the school of prayer. With Jesus in the school of prayer. 
Let's ask him therefore to be with us even as we look to this text. We will spend this morning on verse 1 only. Let's pray together. To know the infinite greatness of your power. Maybe let me wait. As we looked at the book of Matthew chapter 6, the first Sunday that we met here, as we were encouraged and exhorted by the Lord Jesus to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, one of the ways through which or by which we demonstrate that we are seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It is through the act of prayer. But let us be honest and be truthful before God. We can talk more about prayer, but we do little with regards to prayer. Amen? We have read so much about prayer and what is needed in order for us to have a fruitful, meaningful, intentional, but also intimate prayer life. But the reality is that although we know so much about prayer, we do little with regards to prayer. What is prayer in essence? Maybe before we come 
to understand what is it that causes us to maybe feel bored, to maybe be complacent. Why are our prayer meetings, the least attended meetings? How many of us in this month, ever since we started meeting on Wednesdays, how many of us have made an effort to put it on our calendar to say we will meet with God's people and pray? It's few. I'm not saying this so that we will feel guilty. And if you do, praise God for that. C.S. Lewis would describe and define prayer as this. He says, prayer in the sense of, in the sense of petition means asking for things. It's a small part of it. Confession and penitence are the threshold. Adoration, he says, is the sanctuary. The presence and the vision and the enjoyment of God is what makes prayer. I should be part as bread and wine. The great purpose of prayer is to come humbly, to come expectantly, but at the same time to come as those who are saying, we are showing that we are dependent, Lord, on you. So then, what prayerlessness reveals is that we are showing and we are declaring, not with our lips, but with our actions, that we are so self-sufficient before God. Why do we move to that level? What has led to that? Why do we, don't we have the excitement uh, with regards to prayer. Let, let me use this analogy. What, what, what if, if you were summoned by the president of this nation and he tells you, write out all that you need and we have a reserve to supply all those needs for you. Will you make it? To that meeting? Amen, church? Amen, church? You will. Now, if you think about that, one who is greater than the president of this land has given us the privilege to approach him. And here are, in this particular verse, as Jesus Christ continues with his ministry, and he is with his disciples, and his disciples have been looking at Jesus. They have seen him performing miracles, signs, and wonders. And as we come to this particular section, we are taken into something, we are taken into a place concerning this man, Jesus. And maybe as a way of exhortation, as a way of encouragement to stir you up so that maybe your prayer life will be that that is full of devotion instead of duty. Maybe you are there and you feel so complacent 
and you feel so down and out and you are saying, Oh, pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. I can't just speak to this God. Or you are there, you feel like, but, but, but I've prayed, I've prayed, I've waited on him. I have fasted. I have tried everything that they say I must do. I'm sick and tired of it. Maybe you don't say that with your mouth, but with your actions you're doing that. As you came on the door there, you received this. Follow along with me then. What are the truths then that will stir up our hearts? Truths that then would rekindle that passion that we must then come again to the throne room of God, bring our petitions unceasing. What are the truths that must be known, held on, and they are able to fuel our prayer life? That prayer is not a burden, but a blessing. Where prayer is no longer a boring exercise, but it becomes a moment of joy that you have an ear of God listening to you. Number one, you need the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's number one. Look with me, chapter number 11, verse number one. We're going to spend time in this verse. We are told now... Jesus. That line, now Jesus. That's a revelation you need. You need the revelation of Jesus. Jesus, the name that is used there, it's, I want you to see what the Bible is saying there. It's not Jesus the Christ. No, it's now Jesus. The name simply means the Savior. This is the personal name of Jesus. The specification here. We are focusing on Jesus as a human being. He who was fully God and fully man, Jesus Christ. That's a revelation that we need. To reveal simply means to uncover. There is a spiritual component to prayer. Prayer will not just happen unless you have a revelation of this Jesus. So then we are introduced to this Jesus. The man who shows us exactly how to live by faith in God and in his word. Jesus as a man, he trusted in God as a man. We see at the beginning of his ministry, he will spend 40 days, 40 nights. He ate nothing. He drank nothing. He showed his complete dependency as a man that he depends on God. If you're reading the book of Mark, following that reading plan that you were given on the first Sunday, you will see that in the book of Mark, it is repeatedly said that he woke up early in the morning, Jesus, woke up early in the morning to pray. He relied on God to such a degree that he could claim and say these words in John chapter 5 verse 19. The son of man can do nothing of himself unless 
It is something he sees the father doing. He claimed to speak the very words of he who heard from the father. In John chapter 8 verse 38. He trusted the father. Now here's my point beloved Christian. This Jesus who is a fully God and a fully man. Not 50% God, 50% man. No, 100% God, 100% man. This Jesus prayed. You need a revelation of this one. You need, you need, you need a revelation of this one. The scriptures testifies concerning him as the one who possesses the universe by the power of his word. Him who spoke the universe into being. Him who gives life and breath to all men. He prayed. Who are you that you don't pray? If Jesus would depend on God, why don't we? Why is prayer boring? Why is prayer our last resort in our homes? We can talk about everything else. We can argue with one another, but we cannot pray with each other. In our churches, we can criticize each other and we become the accusers of the brethren and not the intercessors of the brethren. Look at him. Look at Jesus, his person. His person, his personality. He was a fully God. He was a fully man. It pleased God the Father to have all his fullness dwell in this one. Yet he prayed. That's his person, this Jesus. You need a revelation of this one. The scriptures testifies to it, but not only the scriptures, the saints of old testifies to this. Listen to the Nicene Creed. It says like this. This is the one we believe in. We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God. It is Him who is begotten from the Father before all ages. Who is He? He is God from God. True light from light. True God from true God. This is the one begotten, not made. Of the same essence as the Father through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. This is the Jesus we are talking about. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made human. Jesus was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. The third day he rose again according to the scriptures. He ascended to heaven. There he is seated at the right hand of God the Father. He will come again with glory to judge 
the living and the dead, and his kingdom will never end. That man prayed. Fully God, fully man. That's his person. His practice. Can you see verse number one? He was praying. Verse number one. That's the second point. He was praying. That is the practice. He was praying. Can you see now? He was praying. He was praying. I want you to see there. My English teacher will tell me that is the continuous tense, right? It's past, but it's continuous, right? He, he, he was. That, that, that was the action he was doing. This is an action word. That's the practice. The, 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 the son of God, God the man, would spend and devote his time into prayer. Here we get access, as it would, into the Holy of Holies. We are taken into the Holy of Holies of this great high priest. The, 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 the revelation of this one mediator between God and man is of essence when it comes to your prayer. So you are not coming to in, in prayer to God on your own merits. You are coming to prayer in God because this one who became man is standing on your behalf. What is his practice? I want you to see there. The practice is that he is praying. That in essence tells us the designation of Christ as the priest before God for his people. He is an encouragement Christian. I want you to see here as what is it that will spur you on to be a man or a woman who will enjoy and have a robust prayer life. You must come to the sense that the revelation of Jesus is front and center. And what has been revealed to you, you first need to know his person. That it is him who died on the cross for you. But yet whilst he lived here on earth, he was praying. Hebrews chapter number 5, look at verse number 5 to 10. Listen to the word of God in the book of Hebrews. So also, Jesus, we are told, he did not exhort himself. This is what he's doing now. He, he, was, he did not exhort himself to be made a high priest. But was appointed by him who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Hebrews 5 verse number 6. As he says also in another place, you are priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Listen to verse number 7. Very important. Look at verse number 7. In line to this particular verb, Jesus was praying. In the days of his flesh. Meaning, when Jesus was here on earth, what was he doing? Listen to the author of Hebrews. Jesus... Not Christ. I want you to see the, the intentionality and the way that the author of scriptures are putting this. Jesus offered up prayers and supplication with loud cries and tears 
to him who was able to save him from death and he was heard because of his revelance although he was a son he learned obedience through what he suffered and being made perfect he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him why because it is him who has been designated by god as what as a high priest to offer sacrifice in the order of Melchizedek. Look at verse number 7. Jesus, when he was here on earth, he offered up prayers and supplication. Now, I want you to see the disciples here. They have walked with Jesus. They have seen him offering up prayers. They have seen him offering up supplications. And they are seeing this man who is doing this. He does that and he shows us that he will forever do that as he is taken up, as he comes, even he comes in the garden he, as he is about to go to the cross. What do we see him doing? He is entrusting his soul to the Father. In his final words, what are his final words whilst he's on the cross? They are words of intercession. He is offering prayers, not for himself. But for others, what does he say? Father, forgive them. Why? They do not know what they are doing. Another prayer. Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. So from start to finish, but especially on the cross, Jesus shows us how to walk by faith and to live a prayer life. That was his practice. You would think then, having said that it is finished, it is done, then it is done even with regards to prayer. No, that is not what the Bible tells us. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter number 7 then. Listen to verse 22 to 28. Listen to what he's doing whilst he is now glorified. So then, verse 22, the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, this makes this Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. Why? Because the former priests, they were many in number, because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. So as he dies on the cross, it does not mean that they have eliminated his office as a priest. As Christ says it is finished, it does not mean that he has finished with his duty as the high priest of God. Look at verse number 24. Jesus, he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Verse 25, consequently, he is able to save to the outermost those who draw near to God through him. Why? Since he always lives to make intercession for them. Amen. He always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, 
unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins, then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered himself. So he is perfect. And he has made us perfect forever. You ask me, church, what is Jesus Christ doing today? He is praying for you. Isn't that comforting? To know that Jesus is praying for you. The one who never sleeps nor slumbers. The the one whose ears are closed to our supplications. It is this revelation of this Jesus whose practice in time and in eternity, his practice is that he is praying. That's his practice. Know who he is, but understand this, that in his own state, As he sits at the right hand of God the Father. Yes, he has many other matters to pray for. But believer, Jesus is praying for you. So then it brings us to this point to understand this. That then it takes a revelation of who this Jesus is. And to understand that his practice is the one that he's praying. And not only that. But look at the last two points. He is praying where? Look at verse number one. In a certain place. So there's a designated place where Jesus would go and he would pray. And not only do we see the connotation of a place there, but we are told, verse number one, as it is about to finish, and when he finished, in other words, there was a period of time when he would start, and there was a period of time when he would finish now let's take those points his person his practice his place for prayer and the period the implications of this is this if your personality is that you are a child of god it is then expected of you to pray unto the god who has called you number one Number two, we are seeing there that it was his practice. Then it is expected of us as a practice, as a way of life. First Corinthians chapter 5 verse number 17. We are expected to be a people who are praying without ceasing. Two. Just as he is praying for us. Sir. Mom, there has to be a place where you are meeting with God in prayer. And you must set a set time that you'll be praying this year. Amen? Some people would love to rise up early in the morning and pray like Jesus. Some would love to do that late at night. Some would love to do that at lunchtime. But may I implore you, find a place and a period of prayer. Or should I ask you this question? Do you have one? Do 
When did you last go to the place of prayer? I'm not talking about the three times a day, breakfast, lunch, and supper during meals. Lord bless our food. Those burdens you are carrying, do you have a revelation of this Jesus that you can then at a specific place come in the practice of prayer and be able to meet with him and believe that what you are asking for will be answered because the one who is saying if you ask, verse 9 he says it will be given to you. Verse 9 he says if you seek, you will find. If you knock, it will be opened to you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that he is more holy and righteous than your friends? A revelation for Christ or of Christ as one key aspect to your prayer life. You miss out on that, you come in your own good works, your prayers will not be answered. Because it is this name of Jesus that every knee bows, every tongue who confess that he is Lord. As we come before the throne of grace, we come in the name of Jesus. This is the name that God has put in place that no salvation will be found in no other name. For there is no salvation given among men. For there is no name given among men by which men might be saved but the name of Jesus. Have a revelation of that. It is then in the knowledge of that that we draw near to God, don't we? Then, number two, not only do we, do we need a revelation of Jesus, that then the fitting, the fitting second point then, it's verse number one, B, we must not only have a revelation of Jesus, we must then request to Jesus to teach us to pray. That's number two. Request to Jesus to teach you how to pray. Amen. In simple words, what I'm saying is, pray that you will learn how to pray. Let us pray that the Lord will teach us how to pray. Listen to the request of the disciples. The disciples are asking, and what are they saying? Lord. Can you see? They are looking at him as Lord. Curious. Master. Ruler. Owner of all things. One who is able to command their affections and to align our will. One who is, who is, who is, who is, who can, who can rule the stubborn, warring hearts to become hearts of worship. So they are coming to him not as bosses. They are coming to him not as those who are self-dependent. They come to him and they are saying, Lord. Can you see that? They are showing their submission to this curious master, boss. One who is transcendent. This is the only title given to God and to Jesus Christ. One who exercises supernatural authority over all things, including creation. So the request is directed to him. Lord. What is the request? Why didn't they ask him to teach teach them how to cast out demons. How did they not ask him? Don't you wonder? How did they not ask him to teach them how to walk on water? 
That would be supernatural, splendid. Or multiplying of bread, right? You know, bread and chips, bread and fish on the go. Don't you need that? Lunch time, bread time. How much do you have? Just a crumb. Pa, it's here. That's nice. You'd expect them to ask him about that, right? Or ask him, teach us how to raise the dead. So then they go to every funeral house. Who is dead? Who is dead? Who is dead? So they may show for their powers. Right? That would be the modern day prophets, false prophets, isn't it? Yeah. Teach us how to throw saliva on the ground so that when we put it in people's eyes, they will see. No, they did not ask him that. As significant as that may seem, because that's how we are wired. We are in a microwave generation. We take our meals, we press 30 seconds, we put our meal there, defrost it, cook it, it's ready, like noodles. Mm. Then we eat. We expect the same when it comes to our prayers. But prayer is more than getting your answer. Prayer is a relational exercise that one who believes in God shows his complete desire to know this God. So there are those four aspects that this prayer shows that the disciples desired to know about prayer. They desire to know this exercise. That's number one. It reveals the state of their hearts. They have looked at this man's life. They admire him and they desire to be just like him. They come to him and they are coming to the one who is far above all things. And they are asking, Lord, teach us how to pray. Is that your request this morning. Is that your prayer? That you can come to this Jesus knowing that he is Lord of Lords. You know, this kind of request shows not only their desire, but it also shows their deficiency. In other words, they see and they compare their lives not with one another, but they compare their lives with the life of Jesus and they realize we are deficient. In other words, we are unable to pray. And the Bible says that, Romans chapter number 8, verse number 26, says the Spirit testifies to this particular truth. We do not know how we ought to pray as we should. So believer, we need to come to this Lord this one who is able, yet humble. This one who is perfect, yet he is prayerful. This one who is fully God and fully human. We need to come to him. This request is directed to such a humble, to this meek and lowly, with all his powers. Yet he prayed, and they know that. So they are asking, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray, Lord. Teach us to pray. 
Teach us to pray, Lord. In James chapter number 4, we are taught, we, we know we do not have because we do not receive. We ask and we do not receive because we ask wrongly to spend it on our passions. So teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. That's what the disciples are saying here. We plan and we do not pray to include you in our initial stages of our plans. The disciples know that we will boast. We, we consider you as maybe if we may use the analogy of a trip, we can consider him as the excess baggage on the trip and not the pilot for our journey. We do that a lot. He's like the dish on, the, on your meals and not the chef. The spare wheel and not the vehicle itself. Is that the way that we've treated him? When we feel so self-sufficient, so self-righteous, we must cry this prayer. Teach us to pray. When we are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, we must cry this prayer. Teach us to pray. When the storms are raging and the skies above seem so dark, we must cry this prayer. Teach us to pray. When the sin that we hate is crouching at the door and its desire is to master us, we must pray. Teach us to pray. When the world's enticing power tends to grip our hearts and our view of the glorious kingdom to come is blurred. And we begin to conform to the image of this world instead of to Christ. We must cry this prayer. Teach us to pray. When the path of righteousness seems like a burden and not a blessing, we must cry out and say, teach us to pray. When the battles are raging against us, we need to cry and say, teach us to pray. When a major decision is to be made, whether it be in family, business, or in partners or jobs, we must pray. Teach us to pray. When sickness has come, when pain is here, when sorrow is here, when anxiety and fear are upon us, when sickness and illness cling to our flesh, when death and despair pierce our feeble hearts, we must request, teach us to pray. It shows our deficiency not only does it show our deficiency, it shows our desire, it shows our dependency, it shows and demonstrates our devotion to him to say that we trust you and not in the arm of the flesh. We look to you not as the last resort in time of need. We look to you as the Alpha, the Omega, in all our lives. So teach us to pray. Trust in the Lord. And in all your ways, acknowledge Him. Lean not upon your understanding. Do you have a revelation of Jesus? Is this your request? Because we love to trust in the arm of the flesh, don't we? We love to tell everyone publicly... What we are going through before we tell the Lord. In moments like this, we ask God this prayer request. Teach us to pray.
And may His Holy Spirit help us in our homes. Today, as you go back home, you have received this paper inside. I want you to do a personal exercise for yourself. Put it in your Bible. And ask yourself these questions. Answer them honestly. Pray for yourself. Pray for those around you. Let's pray for the church of Jesus in this time. Pray for the missionaries and the persecuted church. Having done all to do, we stand. Praying with all prayers and supplications unto God. Let's bow to him and pray. Our glorious Lord Jesus, our hearts this morning rejoice to know you have opened the way for us. Yet, we do understand of our own deficiencies. Teach us to pray. But how can we, who look to our own righteousness and our own resources, depend on you? You say, my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of life. They have dug for themselves cisterns that cannot hold water. Oh God. Be merciful to us for our self-sufficiency. Teach us to pray. Give us a revelation of your son in your word. Give us a revelation of your son through your spirit. Every shackle, every weight of sin, any excuse that we have used for not trusting in you, Father, we repent, confess, and ask you forgive us. I thank you for this, my dear brother, and I thank you for this, my dear sister. This one who doesn't know you at all, thank you for your mercy that you allowed him to come. Spirit of God, we entrust every one of us to you. Do a unique work among us in this year. Our prayer and our desire is to see Christ lifted and glorified in our lives, even in this church. In our prayer meetings, infuse them with your spirit in private and in public. Our desire is to seek you. So be glorified, we ask. In Jesus' name we pray. May God's people say amen. In light of today's message, may it be our prayer that Jesus keeps us.